welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Perhaps one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible is John chapter 3 and verse 16, and here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today, we'll be looking specifically at this wonderful verse with evangelist Mr. William Skates. It contains a number of superlative things. The greatest power, the greatest passion, the greatest people, the greatest provision, the greatest person, the greatest plan, and the greatest purpose. What a marvelous verse, and we're sure that you will enjoy Mr. Skate's presentation on all of these vital gospel truths. John's Gospel and Chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now there's a number of great things in this verse that I want you to notice with me tonight. I want you to notice, first of all, it starts with the greatest power. The greatest power for God. You remember our Bible opens with this tremendous statement, in the beginning, God created. God in action. God doing something. He created the heavens and the earth. What tremendous power was involved in that? The mechanism that he used to do that was this. God spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And from nothing, God called into existence the creation. The hymn writer puts it, And lo, the creation in beauty appeared. The God of creation is the God who made you and made me. Now, we would know that from those early chapters in our Bible. God made all things by the word of his power. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and so on. Now, we live on planet Earth, and planet Earth is part of the solar system that God made. It is 93 million miles from the sun, and there are many other planets that are out there, some closer to the sun, some further away than the sun. The solar system is only one star. It surrounds one star, the sun, in a multitude of stars beyond number that make up the Milky Way galaxy. And on a good clear night, you can see that cloudy thing that goes down the sky. And it's actually made up of millions and millions of stars. The Milky Way. That galaxy, which we are part of, is huge. Like, for instance, if you could travel 
at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, and keep up that speed for 100,000 years, you would pass from one side of the Milky Way galaxy to the other side. That's just one galaxy. And God brought it into being by the spoken word of his power. A number of years ago, the scientists operating the Hubble Space Telescope, they did what they called the Hubble Deep Field Study. What they were doing was they were going to look at a part of the sky that appeared to be black. It seemed like there was nothing there. And so they focused all the power of that telescope in on this little point in the sky, which was an area about the size of a dime. And they focused right in on that and cranked up the magnification or, or however they did it, focusing in on that one little point. You know what they saw? They saw 1,500 galaxies. And the Milky Way galaxy is only one galaxy. The power of God in creation. And God made you. God had you in mind when God made man and put him in the garden. Because built into Adam was all the DNA required to build you. And in the process of time, down through the centuries of time, God saw to it that when your mother and father came together, you came into being as an individual. God directed that whole stream of events that made that possible. The greatest power ever for God. The next words remind us that God is not some just mere cosmic force, like a force in physics that makes things happen. Notice, for God so loved. That is, God is personal, and God is a person, and God made us as persons in his image to have a relationship with him, and he has expressed his heart toward us by expressing his infinite love for God so love the world. The greatest passion, the greatest passion. The love of God is not like the mushy stuff that's portrayed in Hollywood here today and gone tomorrow. Or here for a few years and then I'll walk you down to the divorce court. No, no. When we come to the love of God and we read in our Bibles about that love, we read words like these in the Old Testament. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Oh, the love of God. God so loved the world that he put that love into action. It's not just love from the teeth out. But the love of God is seen in what it does. God so loved. The greatest passion. Notice the greatest number of people. The world. The greatest people. The world. That just simply means every single human being that has ever or will yet live. And God loved them all with an infinite love. This needs qualification. Because in our thinking, we immediately think that if something or someone is going to be loved, then they must be love worthy. That's the way human love operates. We see something attractive in a person. There's a close relationship with them. And we love them for what they are to us. So there's a worth that's found in the person. And then we love them as a result. 
And so we could be tempted to think that God must have seen something good in me in order to love me. But you know, that just cheapens the love of God. The love of God is bigger than that. God loves people that do not deserve his love. We can hardly get our minds around that. The God of the Bible loves poor sinners that are rebels against them. His love is bigger. Now we'll come to the justice of God. The God of the Bible demands the death penalty for sin. Every one of them. His justice will not be compromised. He is absolutely holy. God is not impressed if I live a kind of a half-decent life so far as other men are concerned. I mean, we can always look around us. We can always find somebody that lived a worse life than us. We go to prison or whatever and find somebody there in death row or whatever. Well, we can always find somebody worse than us. But God does not grade on the curve, if you will. God is not impressed by those who are relatively better than others. He's not impressed by the cream of the crop of humanity so that he brings them into heaven. No, listen, my friend. The whole world is guilty before God. There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of the God that you've got to meet. And there's no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he will not compromise his glory to let a sinner into heaven with unforgiven sin. Yet God so loved the world that he put it on display. What by doing? By making the greatest provision for men. Listen to it. That he gave. He gave his only begotten son. But here's his love in action. He gave his only begotten son. Now you understand that he's giving his only son in order to provide salvation. So the subject is salvation or obtaining everlasting life. That's what we're talking about this evening. And that's what this verse is dealing with. Now notice how you obtain salvation. Notice, please. It's not me giving to God anything. A decent life. The fact that I'm a good neighbor. The fact that I've been a decent citizen in the community. The fact that I'm a church member or go to church. The fact that I have a Bible or even read it. It's not me giving to God anything. Any of those things I've just mentioned or all of them put together. It's God giving to me. And that's the only way it comes. It's one direction. It's God giving to me. For God so loved the world, he gave. Does that mean the whole world's going to be saved? No. Why not? Well, just because God has expressed his love and he has given his only begotten son, the greatest person, he has made him available as the savior of sinners to the whole world. But in order for a person, an individual, to benefit from that, there's something more. Whosoever believeth. And that's the greatest plan because that's the simplest possible plan. It's the plan of God's salvation. That whosoever believeth on him. It was good of God to give his son. God sending into this world his only well-beloved son, who was totally without sin. He did no sin, and he knew no sin. And in him there is no sin. He is holy, holy, holy. 
He is spotless. He is pure. He is without stain. He is without spot. He is without a trace of Adam's sin. A man unique in origin. All fair without. All pure within. Our blessed Lord. He's not like us in that regard, is he? We're contaminated with sin. We're polluted by sin. We're defiled by sin. And God hates sin. But God loved his son. And willingly God gives his only son into this world. In order that on that cross at Calvary, that holy one of God, who is absolutely without sin, he would die for our sins. Ah, that's the very heart of the gospel. That's the very core of it all, my friend. Listen to it. Christ died for our sins. All of those sins that would keep us forever out of heaven. But on the cross, the Lord Jesus makes a payment sufficient and big enough to satisfy the very justice of God. So that God himself asks for nothing more. The moment I trust his son as my savior, the great exchange takes place. What do I mean? Just this. My sins, which are on me, are paid for by Christ. And Christ, who has no sins of his own, God reckons that all my sin was borne by him, and they were all put away by the sacrifice of his son. So tonight I stand before you, and I testify upon the authority of this book, this Bible, that the very God of heaven cannot charge me with one sin. Oh, you say you must be an awful good person. Nope. The exact opposite. In and of myself, full of sin. But my Savior on the cross of Calvary, he bore the judgment that those sins deserve. And he cried, it is finished. Now listen, if it's finished, and he says so, is there anything else required? Not a thing. It is finished, yes indeed, finished every jot. Sinner, this is all you need. Tell me, is it not? Salvation is found in his Son and in his Son alone. And understanding my need as a sinner before God, I come in simplicity and I trust him to do all the saving of my soul. That's the simplest plan of salvation. But that makes it at the same time the most difficult for us sophisticated human beings to accept because it humbles us to the point where we can do nothing to improve our condition before God. Nothing. That's the big pill to swallow. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Christ has done it all. And that's tremendous news for a sinner who knows they can bring nothing to God. But it's humbling for us if we think that somehow, some way, surely God will be impressed with my little life. God is not impressed. God has already given his verdict. He has already judged the whole situation. The whole world is guilty as charged. Romans 3 verse 19. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty before God. For God, the greatest power, so loved the greatest passion, the world, the greatest people, 
that he gave the greatest provision, his only begotten son, the greatest person, that whosoever believeth in him, the greatest plan, listen, should not perish. That's the greatest promise. Should not perish. God says they will never be in hell. They will never be in the lake of fire. Is that not good news? That's thrilling news to our souls tonight. I deserve to be there, absolutely. And you must accept that for yourself too. And then, Christ is the one who has died for just sinners like that. Sinners like me. The ungodly. That's how we're described by God. There's no wriggling out of it. We can't improve that. That's just what we are by nature. That's what we are by practice. But the good news is God has provided for us in that condition if we'll accept that that is our condition. Should not perish the greatest promise, but have everlasting life. That's the greatest possession. That's the greatest possession it's possible for a person to ever have is everlasting life. Because, because, it's needed for heaven. It's needed for heaven. You know, if you were going to fly from Toronto to Vancouver, there's something you're going to need. That's a ticket. And you'll need that ticket when you go to the airport. Well, it's all electronic now, but it's the same principle. And then you get on the plane and off you'll go to Vancouver. Well, going to heaven, you don't need an e-ticket. But what you do need is everlasting life. And there's only one way to get it, and that's to receive it as a gift from God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here it is again in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, whosoever, are you here tonight, believes on him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So somebody, I understand all of that, and I've heard that for a long time, but how can I know, how can I really know for sure that I have it? Good question. Well, supposing I told you that uh, I had an email today from my wife and she told me, she told me that it was raining at home in Wisconsin. How would I know it was raining in Wisconsin? It's a simple answer. I would know because she said so on her email. I trust her. She's telling the truth. She doesn't tell me lies. I would know from her email that it's raining in Wisconsin. How would you know you have everlasting life? Simply because God says so in his word, these things have I written unto you, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. It's by what is written in the book. That's how you know. And if you get it from God, you can be absolutely assured that God is telling the truth. Christ died for our sins. God says so. I know he died for mine. Christ died for the ungodly. God says so in his word, and I know I'm ungodly. So that's how I know he died for me. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How can I know I have everlasting life? Because I have him as my Savior. He that hath the Son hath life. God says so. And that's how we know. Well, there you have it, the gospel message in one verse. Have you believed it? 
Are you one of the world of sinners mentioned there? Have you recognized the Lord Jesus Christ as the sinless Savior? Have you acknowledged your sin and need of God's salvation? And have you believed on Christ for the forgiveness of sins? If you don't already know this verse by heart, take the time to look it up for yourself. John chapter 3 and verse 16 and read it. Understand what God is saying. Maybe you'll join the millions who have found eternal life in those wonderful words. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <laughs>